0: Now, that was, those were some readings, huh? Which, which of the 10,000 sermons could I preach from those readings today? Uh, our, our sermon text is from Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, which is on page 1001 of your Pew Bible. Uh, this is a pretty obvious statement to start with, but the preacher cannot say every word that needs to be said every week, nor do you want us to. Not only would every sermon be insufferably long, but as Father Ben has said, at least to me, every sermon would die the death of a thousand qualifications. If you've been around the church for just a little while, then you've already heard the sermon I am about to preach. No, I did not preach this text three years ago. I didn't even know what a lectionary was three years ago. Teachers and preachers are required to pay careful attention to what we say. Go and read James 3.1. So, I, I want to be persuasive, pastorally sensitive with every single word to consider you more highly than myself. My wife would love me more if I manuscripted everything I said That's the loudest amen here, but, but I have deep down in my soul the idolatrous idea that my powerful preaching is what you need. Christ did not send me with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. You've already heard this sermon before. So, as Father Ben will frequently do, this sermon should begin with a warning. Uh, I, I brought a prop. This is my first prop ever, and I think this is probably... Um, oh, this, is, this is probably um, appropriate as my first and last prop of my life. Um, if you're not in on that... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave it right down here for you, Father Ben. That's my first and last prop, y'all. That, that's a... Yeah, (laughs) all jokes aside, our lectionary reading from Hebrews 2 begins with the first of five warning passages throughout the letter of Hebrews. So if you're new to the Bible, or if you don't pick it up very often, this book right here is meant to get into your mess, to reform my idolatrous soul. To do surgery on my broken heart. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. So paying close attention to Holy Scripture, asking weighty questions and wrestling with serious answers will leave you feeling exposed. That's how I felt all week. Because I have the joy of preaching next Sunday as well. This morning we are going to slow down and focus on this uncomfortable warning And next week, I'll preach the comfortable part, okay? So, it's all uncomfort this morning. That was my introduction. Here's my sermon. We are culturally forced to focus our attention on many things. This week, Senate Judiciary hearings. And every week, presidential tweets. We passively drift in the stream paying attention to everything we are supposed to pay attention to we've all become very accomplished drifters see we don't take the time nor do we truly want to do anything other than comfortably drift along all of us by nature and by training are drifters we are sheep is another way to say that even Maybe especially in the church. We drift. We drift. Now, there is, hear me, this is, not, this is not a thousand qualifications, this is just one. There is virtue in wandering within safe pastures, okay? Drifting under the teaching and authority of a community. We cannot stop being sheep. Not one of us knows anything fully. We put our trust in trustworthy people in every area of our lives. Our repetitious, scripture-laden liturgy is for drifters. In just a few minutes, we will recite the Nicene Creed, the faithful summary of our faith for drifters. Ordinary people like you and me, as my favorite hymn says, prone to wander Lord, I feel it. We are drifters. But, ask yourself this question. Have I ever stopped to honestly consider anything? Have I ever honestly considered even one of my core beliefs? Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Our sermon text begins with attention. This tension between active attention and passive drifting. The stories that we actively listen to, the questions that we ask and truly investigate, the persons that we regularly trust with our attention... All of this active listening directly relates to the drift of your soul. Let me say that again. All of this active listening, all the things that we pay attention to, directly relates to the passive drift of our soul. To whom have you paid close attention? Fox News commentators or real people in real life? Twitter or Holy Scripture, C.S. Lewis, or Jesus. See, most of you have probably heard most of this sermon before, but please, for the love of God, pay attention. If this sermon has the intended effect, you will leave here feeling uncomfortable. I've had the feeling of uncomfortable joy all week. I've had the feeling of uncomfortable joy all week. Paying close attention to anything, especially Holy Scripture, asking weighty questions and wrestling with serious answers will leave you feeling exposed. So the letter to the Hebrews alternates between exposition and exhortation. Okay, exposition and exhortation. Exposition, this is a fancy way of saying teaching or the explanation of the Hebrew Bible. This exposition then is followed by exhortation. How am I supposed to respond to this teaching? So we go from exposition, then exhortation, back and forth. Or another way to say this is teaching and application. We're we're pretty familiar with this. In this back and forth rhythm of Hebrews, our lectionary reading begins with the second part, okay? It begins with exhortation, the exhortation or the application. So, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore we must pay closer to atten- attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So, before we consider this warning, this exhortation, before we can ask the uncomfortable question at the center of this text, we have to pay close attention to the preceding exposition. What is it that we were supposed to already have heard? What is the therefore, therefore? That's, that's like the only thing I remember from my childhood in, in church. What is the therefore, therefore? And the letter, letter to the Hebrews begins with the old, old story. And this is the main point of the sermon. That the Old Testament story is about Jesus the exalted Son. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. Now, the first thing to be clear about is the reality that the 27 books of the New Testament, even the stories in the Gospels and Acts, are commenting on and explaining the Old Testament. The Old Testament in the light of Christ. In other words, the blind statement that I'm a New Testament Christian or having an attitude of condescension towards the Old Testament, this disposition probably means that you don't read your Bible. God spoke to our fathers. Hebrews is an ancient sermon written primarily for Jewish Christians, so most of you are like me. You are are 2018 American Gentiles. You may or may not have been raised in the church, but you don't really know the story of the Bible And even if you do pick up a Bible, when you start reading a letter like Hebrews, you quickly encounter at least 10 quotations from all over the Old Testament, not to mention a bunch of stuff about angels, the devil, and there's ancient names all over the place. We recognize pretty quickly that we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. So let's do just that. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. Who was the speaker of the Old Testament story? God. The Sunday school answer works here. God spoke. Who delivered the message? The human messengers, the prophets. Now, in these last days, God has spoken by another human messenger, namely his son, And the rest of Hebrews chapter 1 and 2 answers the question, Who is his son, and what was the son's message about himself? Verse 2, his son is the inheritor of everything. The son is the creator of everything. The son is the radiance of God in his nature, in his substance. He is God. The Son upholds the universe by His powerful word. The Son made purification for sins and is co-equal with God in His authority. There is one name above every name among the host of heaven and over all the earth, one name over all, and that name is applied to the Son. This was the Son's claim about Himself. Now, with historical certainty... Jesus was one of the best persons to ever walk this earth. You might even concede that Jesus is above us all. You might even say he is heavenly. But anyone familiar with the Old Testament story, for this Jewish audience, heavenly messengers and angels are a pretty common part of the story. So the writer responds in verse 5. Yahweh, the one God, never called an angel his son. Yahweh's covenant with David as father to son is applied to Jesus. When Jesus was born, the angels worshipped him. Remember what Moses sang in Deuteronomy? Yahweh is the only one angels were to bow down and worship. So he continues... The Son is the forever King in the line of David. But the Son is also above the host of heaven. He is in the place of Yahweh, the one God who laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. The heavenly Son, namely Jesus, is to be worshipped as only Yahweh is to be worshipped by men and angels. Jesus is is at the center of the story of the whole Bible. Prophets and angels spoke God's message to his people long ago. Now, one who is greater than the prophets, one who is higher than the host of heaven, the eternal Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, of the same being with the Father, God from God, light from light, the preexistent creator of the universe, All of this is what Jesus said about himself. I hope and pray that you've heard this before. You know this already. Now to our text, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable... And every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So here's the argument rejection of reliable earthly messengers, the prophets, rejection of reliable heavenly messengers, angels. Because of our sin and refusal to listen, to reject that message was bad enough. How then shall we escape if we neglect the message of the great messenger? God the Son, the eternal creator who made purification for sins. Now, this is not an accusation. This is not an accusation. Pay much closer attention to what you already believe. What you've already heard, we already know, this message is already our possession, and yet, we must be reminded, we must be warned to hold fast to this message. Why? Because we are drifters. Everything and everyone competes for our attention. And my job, what we do here every Sunday, is to remind one another to take hold of To grasp ever more firmly the great salvation that we already have, that we've already heard. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This isn't an exercise in finger pointing. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? People can spot a finger pointer from a mile away. I am so good at pointing the finger at other people. How shall you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? No. The author joins with his audience. He proclaims Jesus' message alongside the people. He is just like the prophets, just like the kings of old, just like the sinful human high priests. He puts himself In the place of the lower reliable messengers of old. Continuing in verse 3 it, or this message we have heard, was declared at first by the Lord, by Jesus. And it was attested to us by those who heard, his disciples, the apostles. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Here's the reality. Human beings are not primarily persuaded by facts, by signs and wonders. Human beings are persuaded by, by the speech of trustworthy messengers. But we also know that actions speak louder than words. You cannot claim to be a feminist and sexually assault hundreds of women. You cannot claim to be a pro-life Christian and serially dehumanize entire groups of people. Jesus' actions fully aligned with his speech. The prophets of old demonstrated the veracity of the word of Yahweh with countless signs. Jesus sent word to his cousin John in prison, and what did he say to him? He said the blind were receiving their sight, and the deaf were hearing again to give encouragement to John by these signs that Jesus is who he says he is. Peter, along with the rest of the disciples, were graced with many signs and wonders to wake them up to the already spoken message. None of Jesus' message makes any sense. It is all utter foolishness if Jesus was not resurrected from the grave. God knows from the beginning of this story to the end that words without, without actions are meaningless, but... It is a crooked generation who seeks for a sign. Jesus was crucified for his speech, for his claim to deity. Human beings are not primarily persuaded by facts, by signs and wonders. They bore witness to what Jesus had already said, which we received from the disciples. Human beings are persuaded by the speech of trustworthy Messengers. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. How shall we escape? How shall we not drift away if we don't pay attention to Jesus' message over and over and over again? And here's the answer to that rhetorical question. We won't. We won't escape. Let that sink in for a second. I want to briefly end with two words of exhortation. First and quickly, I want to address those who have already drifted away. Even more, those who have run away from the church for good reasons. So to those who have left the church... Have you ever paid close attention to the teachings of Jesus? Or have you simply rejected the second-hand claims of unreliable messengers? Have you ever put up one moment's real resistance to the loss of your faith? Do not settle for even reliable messengers. Your parents' true faith cannot save you investigate the actual teachings of Jesus for yourself. C.S. Lewis has written a ton of great books. Godly parents are a great gift. The life and ministry of Father Ben is a blessing to us all. Reading great books in a life group is good for the soul. All of these have proved reliable, but I challenge you to sit down and read the Bible. Read Mark, read Hebrews, and pay close attention. And specifically, I want to address the followers of Jesus in the room. When was the last time you opened up your Bible to actually read the teachings of Jesus? Do you regularly neglect gathering together to hear the word of God proclaimed? Do not assume that you are close to the heart of God. Do not assume that you are not right now drifting away from Jesus. Do not neglect to read and to inwardly digest the Scriptures. Do not assume for one moment that a caller carries any authority unless this mouth proclaims Jesus Christ alone, the exalted Son of God. He is the only one who can make purification for sin. Hebrews chapter 8, quoting the prophet Jeremiah, I will put my laws into their minds, into your mind, Christian, and write them on your hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. You yourself need to hear from God in the scriptures. You do not need me to bring the word of God to you. Read it for yourself, lest you drift away from it. And finally, Christian, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders... Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. To read and to sit underneath this warning passage this week has been humbling for me. But reading and meditating on this scripture this week, even this warning, is far better than C.S. Lewis. So pay close attention to the great salvation that you have already heard. And hold fast to, to Jesus until the end. In the name of the Father and the Son.